Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster, M-O-N-S-T-A.com. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Business of Marketing Podcast where we have conversations with some of the most influential and thought-provoking minds in marketing, sales, and business. And here's your host, A. Lee Judge. Welcome again to the Business of Marketing. I'm A. Lee Judge. Okay, marketers and business people, today we're going to put some weight and clarity behind two of our most popular sayings or cliches. Content is king and that every company should act like a media company. And specifically, we're going to support these two very valid claims by talking about the leading format in content and media, which is, in my opinion at least, video. To discuss video, we have the honor of having the CMO of one of the world's leading video platforms, Brightcove. So welcome to the podcast, the CMO of Brightcove, Jennifer Griffin-Smith. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor for sure. Um, and thanks for join, joining us today. Um, so I want to ask you a few questions specifically around video because you are, you know, I've, I've been had the honor of seeing you at several events uh, speaking on video and not just, you know, promoting Bright Cove, which I'm sure is, is your task to do, but you, you, you provide a lot of information and value just on video, especially uh, for the, the business and B2B events that I've been at. Um, so through my years in marketing, um, for different size organizations, I've worked with many video platforms, ranging from YouTube to Wistia, the Vidyard, and your platform, Brightcove. And what I've learned and helped those that I consult to understand is that they have to understand what their needs are at their business level, um, what video delivery functions are important to them, and how each video platform um, works with their current tech stack. So, and, and there's so much more to it. So, can you tell us? Some of the considerations that a marketing team must consider when choosing a video platform? Absolutely. And it's a great question. And, you know, we live in a world now in this digital marketing world where one size doesn't fit all and one solution doesn't solve all our problems. In fact, I'm a great believer that it is a collaborative tech stack that makes us be able to function. If I think about what I even have in my organization to be able to execute digital programs that are much more targeted, that where I can run much deeper analytics on content consumption, there are many vendors as part of that tech stack. And, and you know, I love working at Brightcove because I actually chose to work here because of the fact that I thought video was so powerful and because I wanted to work with a technology stack that was fully integrated into other solutions um, and I wanted something that I knew was robust enough to be able to operate at scale for particularly mid to large size enterprises. So as you've alluded to, one size doesn't fit at all. And I think it's about understanding where you are on the maturity of the use of video and what your ultimate objectives are going to be. We are lucky that we have a whole range of customers, right? Different use cases around the world. We were obviously founded to serve media companies. And so 
the robustness and scale and security of our technology is, you know, second to none. So it's very, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being that most trusted platform. But one of the things we really try and do with customers is to look at where are they on their video first content strategy. And we look at maturity as to, you know, we talk about like an exploratory stage, which is just, are you at the point where you want to be able to consolidate all video use? A lot of organizations have video and use video through multiple teams, but there's no real central management of that. There's a lot of video, user-generated video gets created. And one of the main problems is the overproduction and the lack of reuse. And so Mm. you go right from, you're just in an exploratory phase to actually you may already have a platform, you may already be running some analytics, but you're not creating a content strategy based off that analytics. So then when you get to the point where you're really looking at the consumption of different videos by persona, by buying stage, that informs the next production of content, that's a totally different phase than just wanting to be able to use more video right up to customers that want to build their own channels, right? That actually are now getting into a streaming first content strategy, not just video, but how can I stream it through multiple mediums and really become super proficient and really efficient in the business? And so there are different stages of that. And I would ask anybody to think about the reality of where you are in your business and make sure that whoever you're working with can take you through those different stages of where you are today, the challenges that you might have of working across different groups. You're a large organization. There could be many groups in marketing that need to operate together um, and really make sure that it can be with you today as well as growing into really what you want to achieve, achieve in the next three to five years. You said a key thing I want to make sure we get back to later on, which was overproduction and underutilization. That's, I think, definitely a pain that wherever you are in your maturity stage, marketers miss out on on all kinds of content is overproduction and underutilization. But before we get to that, though, following up on what you just said, um, on the different stages of maturity a company may be in deciding on their platforms, um, can you give me some examples of where a company may not be ready for an enterprise level platform like Bright Cove, and what are some of the maybe indicators that it's time for them to upgrade? Yeah, um, a lot of it comes down to it's a, it's like a lot of other things in marketing. No one team will necessarily manage it by themselves if they are going to get full use out of it. Now, You can start small and say, I have a need in my digital marketing team to be able to host videos on my website in a much more efficient way and be able to drive better analytics. That would be one use case. And you can start there. And that's great. So there is there is not really anywhere you can't. we always, we always say you're never too small to stream big. That's kind of a, a saying we have. Right. You, you are. But I think it's about recognition of resources you need within your organization, within your marketing team, and how beneficial it can be if it's outside of just one team. And quite often, it's when it goes out of one team that it becomes challenging because you need to get more people in the buying phase, right? And there's when there's more people involved, then it becomes more complicated, but the return is far greater. Okay. Now... A couple of words you said there that 
if I'm consulting someone on, and they're asking me, Lee, what video platforms are right for us right now? There are certain words that stick out for each of the platforms that I say may be their strengths. And the words that I hear, and this isn't intended to be a, a commercial for Bright Cove, mm-hmm. um, but I always want to tell my mm-hmm. clients the right fit for them. And so the key words that I heard you say that I would include when I'm looking for a right fit for Bright Cove, you mentioned streaming, um, analytics, and also know security is one of the a- aspects as well. Those are words that I see a lot in, in your marketing and that I see as a differentiator for Bright Cove. So can you tell me more about some of the enterprise level qualities like that that make Bright Cove different than other platforms? And the answer of this, I think, will help um, those marketers understand what we mean when we say there's different levels. So, so there's a technology, um, there's a technology trust you have to have, right? It's, it's in any tech stack that you buy, you want to know that you are going to be able to manage anything from, you know, GDR compliance to, um, you know, uh, protection of IP copyright, right? Um, so, I think there's there's a there's a level when it comes to access, when it comes to videos, and it depends what your use case is. If your use case is for internal communications and you want to have permissions based, right? That's a different use case for actually I want something that is just going to allow more plays, a more high quality play on my external website. And so think about all those different use cases. And I think what I love about what we do is we have so many different industries and different use cases from major corporations that are using Brightcove to inform internally their employees, right, to be able to train them, engage them worldwide. And so that is really looking at, you know, what are the security levels? What are the restrictions? And how can we understand how people are consuming internally to very large retailers where their web presence is their number one go-to-market, right? When you're talking about a lower cost purchase item in a consumer space where they're looking at, you know, millions and millions and millions of impressions of a video on a website or on a social media site, that's really about quality. That's about making sure that the quality of the play matches the brand. And so... We've been lucky that we've been serving these media companies for a long time, being you know streaming to millions of viewers around the world. And so the robustness and the scalability of the platform is there. So there's the tech element to look at, but then there's the solution element to look at. Okay, so your use case, how provisioned is that provider in your use case? What customers are they serving like it? And how can they go beyond the technology? You know, for me, technology is one thing. I will share that we are replacing our marketing automation solution right now. I've just gone through the whole vendor pitch of who we use because there's a lot of choice out there. And the technology is important because I need certain features and I need it to integrate with my staff. But what I really need is people that understand how I am marketing and how I want to change my marketing and can they provide services to help me with that. That might be partnerships that they have. That might be the knowledge that they have from just how companies like myself operate. And so we also pride ourselves on being able to have experts in-house that have implemented this and have run 
projects that are successful. And a project isn't just successful by implementing the technology. There's a, quite often a lot of internal communication and change management that needs to go on for that project to be successful. I can tell you as someone who's led marketing operations that oftentimes it's during that buying decision of a, of a client like yourself, if you're looking to buy a marketing operations platform, um, and I've been on both sides of the fence as someone looking to implement a video platform, but I'm running marketing operations and helping being part of that buying decision. And sometimes, you know, marketing operations is included the right time and they understand how to make sure they choose the right video platform. And sometimes it's later on after they've already made a purchase, they realize, oh, our tech stack doesn't work with this and we're in this contract and we should have talked about this earlier on. So from both sides. It's a great point because again, in the different use cases, we might see it being led by corporate communications because it's about branding messages or it's led by internal communications. In fact, I had an example just a couple of weeks ago of a customer that is using us in one part of their business in the content team. I happened to meet somebody from their marketing operations team and they were talking, oh, this is great. We'd love to have something like Brightcover. And I had to say, you do. <laughs> you do. You can, you can get use out of us. And they were kind of like, oh, but it's in, in, in a very large organization. It's in one part. And, and that part, that team wanted for, for achieving their objectives, but being able to scale it and be across multiple teams from a marketing operations point of view and measure the impact really, really helps. You know, people are spending a lot of money on content creation. It is where we need to, and video even more so now because we know that's the way that people want to consume content. So make sure, you know, we we measure we measure events. We measure the ROI of an event. We measure the ROI of email campaigns. We measure the ROI of digital advertising spend. But the content is critical to all of that. And we have to measure the ROI of the content that we're creating and understand we refer to it as something called the attention index, where we're not just looking at what's the open rate of a video, but we're looking at the attention. So what percentage of people watch more than 75% and what percentage watch less than 10%? Because that will inform you if your content is not just being open, but being truly consumed. I don't want to belabor on the tech stack part, but it's, I think this is important to our audience because I've seen these scenarios we mentioned so many times where there are multiple platforms within one enterprise organization. And that happens often because the way it's sold into the organization is different. So you have some platforms who sell to the sales team, some who sell to the content team, some who sell to the communications team. They can all be different teams. And because of the platform, they may be their shiniest based on their features for that team. And then what happens is you end up with all these different platforms and they don't necessarily all cover all the bases. And then hopefully a platform that can do all those things eventually communicates to the whole organization and brings those things together. So and I've seen yeah. that happen with Brightcove, actually. Well, for me, marketing operations is central to a marketing team. I mean, it's absolutely central. And they should be running not only technology, but processes and analytics and uh, and, and, and projects, right? I, I feel like that's the team that can give you the insight. And it's the team that can look at use of this technology to see, are we actually getting maximum efficiency out of it? And as a side note on that, because 
I lived in marketing operations for the past several years. And what I've seen in many organizations is that most companies or many companies are just coming to the realization that marketing operations is a legitimate team. Um, I've seen cases where there's a large sales operations team, right? Because they understand that sales, it's easy to tie it to revenue, to sales operations, but they still see anything with the word marketing in it as, oh, that's just the nice things to get us to conferences. It's not actually, you don't need an operations stack, but you have a MarTech stack. You spent millions on your marketing technology, but yet you haven't hired teams to manage and operate and understand that technology, which is, I think, a big miss. Oh, it's a huge miss. I I can't think, this is my sixth CMO role. I can't think of a role, a CMO role I've been in where I haven't had a dedicated marketing operations team. And where I've really looked at growing that team to include things like not just running the marketing automation platform, but to include analytics and reporting and data analysis, to include data responsibility, right? So nothing works unless the data you have in your systems, and it's generally your sales system and your marketing systems, which are connected. One of the biggest problems you get is the aging of your data and the uncleanliness of it. And then you work, you know, in Europe, and then you have GDPR issues, and you can't even you can't even, you know, mail out to those people. So having 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 data experts to me is in marketing operation. Having analytics experts is in marketing operations, and then process and integration experts. And you know, we're not a huge company in Brightcove, but but we have a good sized marketing operations team that are central to what everybody in marketing is trying to do. Um, I, I think that's absolutely critical. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me bring this back a little bit because we. You mentioned that, and I know that Brightco, a lot of your clients are actually media companies, but on top of the phrase media company, we've also, often, we, we've both, and I think most marketers now are starting to catch on that every company should act like a media company, whether they're media or not, they should act like a media company. Um, and when I speak on it, my key points are that the technical barriers have nearly been eliminated and that a company should be a part of the everyday content that their prospects consume. So can you share with us some of your thoughts on how every company should act like a media company? Yeah, yeah, I can. And thanks for asking that question, because it is definitely something that is talked about a lot. And I do wonder if people if we, if people really understand what that means. And, and sometimes I liken it. Do you remember back in the day when you'd go to a conference or you'd hear CEOs relate to every company needs to be a software company? And it would, we would talk about Uber and Airbnb, how, you know, they were a car company and a accommodation company, but actually they were a software company, right? Mm. And I liken it to the same kind of thing. What we are talking about when we, when we refer to companies acting like a media company is engage and manage your content in the same way a media company does. Because content for a media company is their lifeblood, right? I mean, Netflix isn't Netflix without having... This, this, the programs that drive people to want to go and subscribe, right? Or so, so they think about their content in a way that is always about who's my audience and what am I serving up next? And they measure the content based on revenue and they look at how can I keep and engage customers by, by having the right content for them to come back to. And I think that's what we talk about in thinking about a media company. It doesn't, it's not necessarily about the technology. It's about your content strategy. And, 
you know, it, a light bulb went off for me. Actually, when I joined Bright Cove, when I was thinking about this, because I'm dealing with media companies who are thinking about revenue all the time, right? So anybody that comes to a OTT site, anybody that it, when they're looking at advertising, um, subscription revenue, advertising revenue, it's all about money to run their business. And I started thinking, what if I thought about the visitors to my website as a dollar of revenue? And if I lose that dollar of revenue, I'm not going to make my number. But what if I can keep them, make them subscribe? Now, I'm not charging them to subscribe, but ultimately I'm influencing them and I'm engaging them to get them into my sales cycle. If I think about everybody I lose, if I lose their attention, I'm losing revenue, then I start thinking more like a media company. And, and I think that's powerful because too frequently as marketeers, we have these websites and we have all these things we do, but we don't really think about it as revenue lost, right? We don't think if only, and it's not one touch, that's the other thing. That's the other thing that media companies do well. You know, B2B marketeers think about, oh, I'm going to put out an ad and somebody's going to click on it and somebody's going to follow up and we'll turn that lead into an MQL and an SEL. Those days are gone. That's not happening. Media companies don't think like that. They think, well, I've got you, but you know, you could churn any minute. What do I have to do to keep you? What content do I have? And so that's what we mean when we, we talk about thinking and acting like a media company. So how do we communicate these things? Because we're talking about, you know, our, our KPIs are changing. Um, so how do you take these these media-related KPIs? Because I came from before marketing, I was in media and radio and television, and the, the KPIs are totally different. As you mentioned, you're thinking about retention and attention, and the measurements are totally different. They're not transactional like business, like sales things. So how do you communicate from, as a CMO or marketing director, VP of marketing, how do you communicate to the CFO, the CRO, um, the KPIs that they understand that aren't so revenue connected? I think this is one of our biggest challenges. Um, and I, I actually think marketing has had this challenge forever. In the business of marketing is complicated. Nobody thinks it is. But if you're a marketing practitioner, to be able to create a campaign and put it out to an audience and for that audience to engage and react with it is a complicated process, right? Because you've got to have the right message. You've got to have the right content with the message. You've got to know where that person is on their journey. You've got to have the right tactic to get to them. First of all, you've got to even know where they are and have you got their data, right? And then you've got to put all that together and you've got to get it to them, out to them in a way that they then respond. And you've got to be able to measure all of that. And now it's not even one touch. What is it people say? It's like 47 touches before somebody does something or 27. I don't know. It's crazy, whatever it is. And so... The, the, the business of marketing is complicated and you're trying to tie many parts of the business together. You're tying together market fit, product market fit with a messaging framework. You're tying that into an execution plan and then you're giving it to sales to follow up. And so there's multiple places where it can break down. And so not only is that been, always been complicated, now it's changing because now the buyer changed. You think about it. Who's our buyer? Our buyer is somebody that engages with content in a very different way now. You and I are buyers, right? How do you buy something? I don't buy this blouse by walking into a store anymore. 
like, I don't know, 5% of my clothes being retail purchases are probably made in a store. I do that online. How do I buy a car? I've, I, will, I, will, I don't buy a car online, but, but guess what? I will go onto a, a site and inform myself far greater than I've ever done before. So as consumers, our time has got so reduced that we want to inform ourselves. Now think about the next generation. I have a 16-year-old daughter. How does she inform herself? Her, all of her school follow-up is done via video. So she gets home, from, she, start, she goes on to YouTube and looks at her teacher's class bits or video. Every explanation is in video. She wants to look at a summer camp. She goes onto a site and there's all these videos of the previous summer camp. She wants to engage with friends. She's on social media and that's all user generated. People want to inform themselves about a drug or a, or a medical procedure. They want to see it. They want to see what's happening. They're not scared anymore. They want to see it. They don't want to go to a doctor and read it. And so we've changed and the next generation has changed. And we've got to be able to deliver that up in video. But that means we've got to be able to measure it differently, too. So now this complicated business of marketing has got this overlay of now we've got this new digital world, which is crazy, right? I mean, crazy. Every time you want to read something, you've got 27 pops up, pop-ups and you can't get to your actual content. So you've got to break through that. And then you've got to start reading these different metrics and signals. It's complicated. And I think marketing needs to get to the bottom of how to simplify being able to tell the story to a salesperson of what a buying center has done. No longer is it an individual because I'm not, you know, in my business, I'm not buying something myself either. So you've got to know the whole buying center. And I love the technology we have to look at intent and to look at what we see people doing and consuming and search words they're using. Because I want to say to my sales team, here is an account and here is what that account has done in the last 30 days. There have mm. been 20 people. These are the things they're interested in. So you need to tailor your outreach based on that. And there's so much that goes into delivering that to them. But ultimately, what I'm telling them is I can make you more successful by you understanding that buyer easier than you doing all the research yourself. I'm going to deliver that information to you. That is our biggest challenge. Deliver that in a consumable way. That means they're not spending all their time searching. That is marketing today. Marketing today isn't doing some nice ads and sticking up a billboard and going to an event. Marketing today is understanding right messages to the buyer and then listening to what they're doing and feeding that to sales so that they can give relevant messages to that buyer. That is an absolute quotable. When you said if you could encapsulate that and get that to sales to help them understand that this whole journey is what they need to understand so they can tailor their outreach to match that journey. Because um, oftentimes the wall is just trying to communicate to them that you have multiple pieces of information and there's a story there that they need to understand beyond just, is it MQL? Is it SQL? Is it ready to buy? That's they need right. to slow down, read the story, <laughs> which may take them less time than their traditional outreach and research. But that's the mindset we have to work on with sales to change, I think. It really is. I feel like marketing is more digital. Sales is more digital. The, the way in which people engage is changing and people don't fill in forms. People might still fill in forms and that's great if they're really interested. But 
How many times do you want to buy something and you Google it and find a form and fill it in and then take a call from somebody? No, you wouldn't. If you wanted to buy something, first of all, you'd probably go to a peer group, right? Or you'd look for some recommendations or you'd go and try and find some information that you could self-serve yourself with. And at some point, you might be ready to have the conversation, but but not when you've just, first of all, you're not filling in the form, but not when you do the first action. And um, it's a challenge because, you know, we're all just trying to get conversations. and But everybody's trying to get conversations. And so how do we get smarter at, at being able to provide people value? Wonderful. I could talk all day about um, sales and marketing alignment, especially when it comes to, to content marketing. So, uh, I, would too, me- but I will tell you something. I will say something. When I say this, I'm so passionate about it and I believe it, but the reality of doing it is really hard and it is not perfect in my world and it is never, I don't think it's perfect anywhere. And so I do want to put that recognition out that there is no one CMO that I even talk to that has solved all of this. And it is, and so I don't want anybody to think, oh, there's some companies, it is stages of progression to get there. Mm. That's good to hear. I'm sure for for those who are thinking that there is a that someone solved it because it's I mean it's, it's as old as the sales and marketing alignment story. I mean it it's just uh, new things to align. And as you said, we're both digital now. The stories change. Things have changed. Uh, everyone has to learn to adapt. And hopefully, you know, as marketing becomes more at the forefront of the buyer journey, sales is going to hopefully begin to realize that we're we're partners on the same team versus you know, handing stuff back and forth. It's a long customer journey. Yeah, for sure. So I want to pivot a bit and talk about the production of video that's coming in. And I was looking at some Bright Cove um, research that was recently done. Um, and it was, uh, I'll give a couple of the quotes. It said 97% um, of people are more receptive to sales communication from a business after, as you said a moment ago, after consuming video content. Um also, 81% prefer video over written content when learning how to use a product or service, which is totally in line with what we just talked about a moment ago. Um, so I'm sure with those numbers, though, um, this video content was delivered through many types of platforms and have a large variation of production quality. Even some TV commercials today are taking, taking on a TikTok style of production. So I want to know, what is your take on how companies are getting away with creating faster, less polished video and delivering it through social channels. And is there a place for this unpolished video at an enterprise level? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there has always been a place. Do you remember back in the day when we all did the whiteboard videos? Do you remember when mm-hmm. they became the thing? You know, and, and yeah. it was and it was, you know, it was it was one of your SEs or subject matter experts standing in front of a whiteboard and we would And there was some technology that would make that look more produced, but that was almost user-generated content. And it was always the thing that people wanted to see because they wanted to see that that kind of flow through. Um, Look, I think that there are varying different types of videos. Um, Everybody loves the, the high production factor feel good, right? And we are not going to start. If you're running a lot, if you work in a large organization and you're running a large internal event or a sales kickoff or an all hands call, you want something that is going to inspire your team and motivate it. 
you want the music and the visuals and you want to make people feel like they're solving world hunger, right? I mean, that's what you want to make your people feel like. And, th and there's always going to be a place for that. But like you said about almost those like TV commercials and they are even changing. And actually what people want to see is the interaction of the consumer. So if you think back to even retail companies like sports equipment or sports apparel, it's always now about the person in the sport, right? It is not about the item of clothing. It's about what they can achieve with it, right? And I think... <laughs> Just like that, we all want to see what is what is able to be, what can somebody achieve with whatever that we are promoting? And so we see a lot of user-generated content. We get a lot of requests from companies to have the ability for people to upload through iPhones into a central repository that is controlled by approval levels of how it gets distributed. So think about think about sales coaching and enablement within an organization. So somebody goes to a customer, learns a great thing and thinks, I want to share this. This is a massive challenge. How do they share it? They could very easily take a video, upload it and send it out to a sales distribution list, right? Now, that doesn't need to be polished in any which way. We as an organization now, and I try and do this with my team, if I have a message to send out, who, I mean, who likes those big, long emails? Nobody. Right. It is so easy for me to just sit, take something on my phone for me, authentic me and send it out to my team as a message. I get much greater views of that than I ever would some long email that I'm sending out. Um, I think what our, you know, my teenage daughter consumes, like none of it is super polished. In fact, they think that that was fake. Right. They think that that was less trustworthy if it was this super produced um so I definitely think there is a part to play. Now, there are obviously brand guidelines and protocols and all of that that we want to, and restrictions of certain type of content. Believe me, we see all kinds of content as a platform, and there are definitely restrictions that you want to make sure are in place. But I think we're going to see more of that. And I think we're going to see more companies um, there is a company called uh, Story Hunter. Do you have you heard of Story Hunter? Yes, I do. Um, I just met with them actually, and what I love about that is the ability to be able to contract um, individuals, right, consultants that can create videos for me, like super quick in a really great way that I'm not going to a super high value agency and paying them tens of thousands of dollars. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see more professionals be in the realm of you can contract with them, and but it's quicker. It's quicker. It's more cost effective because we need more, right? We need to be producing more. You know, it's interesting you said that because my company, Content Master, we are producing remote video for companies. And we can do a shoot. We can do several shoots around the country for the same company. Like they say, well, we want to get our you know, our five VPs or five, you know, C-suites around the country, we need to do a video for our corporate, you know, event. And we will shoot them all sometimes the same day all over the country uh, using remote video See production. It's so powerful. You know, do you remember the day where we'd be like, oh, we have to fly five executives to one location and when are you ever yes. going to get like, that is gone. This is, this is the digital world we live in and we can, 
We don't need to fly around. We don't need to spend the time, the money. We can do that all through digital means. It's funny you said the fly and the executives because we had, when we used to do video production in person, we had one client that every year at their annual event, when they knew their executives would be there, we would go there every single year and capture all their executives. Um, but now we can capture them whenever they, we need them because we can, in fact, we send a marketer. We give them like a, a simple light kit, lavalier microphone, send the marketer out and can talk through an iPhone to instruct them on the shot, the view, fix your hair, all these things. We record the video uh, and then we do the post-production, you know, fix the audio and all that. We polish it. And often and the, the user can't tell the difference between did we have a five-person crew there or was it just the marketing director? I love it. There with I it? love it. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. are you seeing more uh, technology around that? People doing more remote production and using Absolutely. the technology. So we used to hold a annual um, in-person event like everybody did, right? A user conference. Well, I've pandemic. spoken there. I yeah. spoke there one year and I did virtual the next, yeah. Right, and then we flipped it to virtual. So we flipped it to be like a virtual event. I don't know how I feel about virtual events right now, honestly. I, I hear <laughs> dividing messages around they work, they don't work. I still think they're part of the mix. But yeah. what we are pivoting more to is it's not a virtual event. Again, thinking like a media company, it's episodes of content that we are releasing. Now, I might drop a whole season in one day, right? There might be 32 episodes of my season dropping, which there are, by the way, on November 8th, which is a lot. It's kind of a bit, it's a lot, right? And, and we are learning as we're doing it. But that content is then also available on our channel. So as we do this, so we've gone from in-person fully virtual event, dropping seasons on a day, what you'll see going forward is we're not dropping all seasons on one day. We're going to be dropping episodes way more frequently for people to engage with. Now, in order to do that, I'm recording content all the time. And mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't fly people all around the world. So we will have a great thought leader, a great customer example, and we'll do just what you said, right? We... In fact, I did another podcast just this week and somebody sent me the microphone, right? Like said, like, we want you to have this. And so you said you send the, you know, you send the, the kits out. I think that's more of what we're going to do because during the pandemic, we all realized that we could live and work in different places than a central office location. And if I look at my team, we are so remote that I, get, I, I will get people together, but I, I can't because we're so remote. And I love that because I opened up my employee base to hiring from anywhere. And I want people to be anywhere. But I need to have the technology to be able to do really good all hands calls, recordings, brainstormings, anything we can do. We, we need the technology to be able to do that. Well, let's let's wrap on the events part, because I know we have a lot of marketers who are event marketers who lead the events and they're struggling too with in-person, virtual, hybrid, what's working, what's not. So tell me about your journey in that. I know, like I said, I spoke at a uh, Bright Cove play a while back, and I see on your website you're doing some the video series you mentioned. So tell us about that series and how it, how it came about. Um, and then finally, just go ahead and plug the series so our listeners can know to, to join and check it out. Yeah, well, I'd recommend anybody go to Play TV. Bright Cove Play TV is our 
Corporate TV Always On channel. In that, we have um, different um, seasons and episodes, and it's everything video. So it's anything from customer testimonials to how-to best practices, uh, masterclasses, um, you know, things like, you know, how to present your body language when you do in a video. It's just all things video. We have we make sure that we have a lot of content, new content on there. And I measure the attention index of this content, right? I measure subscribers that I'm getting to it. I measure attention index. I have it fully integrated into the marketing automation system. So again, I can update the intent signals of what we know some of our customers and potential customers are doing. Um, so this Play TV is always on. Play, as it used to be the event, was an annual event, moved to, as we mentioned, this um, virtual. Now we see play as being something that will be episodic and we will drop at certain parts of the year new content. And you can come and view that content. It's like when a show drops. You might want to get on the day it drops and be like there with thousands of other people actually viewing the first episode, or you might actually want to watch it on demand. We're going to offer people the choice. So the point is it's giving them the content where they are. We can run it on multiple devices. It's on various different channels and it's online, but it's also on Roku and Apple TV and wherever it needs to be. Um, and it's a way to be able to serve up content to people in the way they want to consume it. And so it's November 8th is our is our drop of 32 i think november 8th and 9th 32 new episodes you can hear from thought leaders we have um amazing storytellers like sean header who is the producer the award-winning producer of coda if you haven't watched coda the movie it's amazing she'll talk about storytelling we have the ceo of amc um and what that looks like we have industry analysts idc and forrester and then we have customers we have Finastra, we have Sitecore CMO, we have Sixth Sense CMO, we have just great information for whether you are a technical builder of a media platform or whether you're a marketer really wanting to be able to sell more products and services. It's just fantastic content. Wow. Well, I suggest to the listeners, there's no better place to learn about how to do video and how to distribute video and and, and create these, these this great content then from one of the video leaders at Brightcove. So, uh, Jennifer, I want to thank you again for joining us. It's been very valuable, insightful, and uh, I appreciate you being here. It was my privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, great to talk to you. You too. So thanks to the listeners as well. If you're listening to the podcast and also want to see Jennifer and I, video the podcast, video the podcast, and others will be available in the podcast section of contentmaster.com. Again, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Business of Marketing podcast, a show brought to you by contentmonster.com, the producer of B2B digital marketing content. Show notes can be found on contentmonster.com as well as aleejudge.com. To continue the conversation, be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.